0: The free online Issues Etc. journal. Just click the red journal subscription button at issuesetc.org. had a conversation with a fellow christian and they've talked about the strength of their faith or how strong their faith is or how much stronger their faith is now than it used to be you might be encountering a a soft form of fideism that is a faith in faith and not a faith in jesus true strong faith speaks not about itself but about the one in whom it trusts and that is jesus christ Welcome back to Issues et Cetera. It's one of the subjects we'll take up here as we go through listener email and the Issues Etc. comment line. As always, our email address, is talkback at issuesetc.org and the Issues et Cetera listener comment line, 618 223 8382. Let's start with Bruce in Fort Mill,
1: South Carolina. Bruce corrects an error that I made last week during listener email on the issues, et cetera, comment line. He says, I just wanted to mention that Jonathan Edwards was involved with the first Great Awakening in the early 1700s. Charles Finney was involved in the second Great Awakening about 100 years later. Thanks for the show, and thank
0: you for the correction and for listening, Bruce. It's not hard to mix up the first and the second, but it it can be easy to forget who was involved. At least we knew about Finney and uh, who was the other one? Now I can't Edward, remember. Jonathan, Jonathan Edwards, Edwards uh, in the first place. We just happened to, I made the mistake too, we just happened to misassign them in history. There were
1: times when we did lots of shows. Oh the yeah. second great awakening, Charles Finney. I remember Don at the previous host of the show, he got wrapped up in the charismatic movement and he was... Not he, while he was the host of the show. No, no, no. Yeah, And he was surprised that in seminar he never heard of Charles Finney and the second great awakening because so many things made sense to him as a former charismatic on the influence that Charles Finney had on American revivalism. It's
0: If you want to know why the average big box church worships the way it does, why it does what it does, why it caters to the felt needs of those are the modern terms or the postmodern terms, the felt needs of Seekers and things like the reason they're doing it is because of Charles Finney. They just do it in a much, much more sophisticated way than Charles Finney ever did. But all those ideas that drive the megachurch movement, they all originate with that one guy.
2: Greetings in Christ issues, etc. team. This is beloved on demand listener, Jeff calling in from downtown Tampa, Florida on the, August 9th episode of Witnessing to Mormons by Pastor John Leach, he used a very interesting term that perhaps you all could explore further on issues, etc., in a future episode. That term was fideism, or faith in faith. Our former pastor here, Pastor Kenneth Farnsworth, was always talking about faith and people saying, you know, we have faith, and Faith. This our local team here is having a faith day at the stadium and such, but it's actually quite clear that our faith is in Christ and the Word of God. So, just curious, perhaps Pastor Swirla or Pastor Peterson could be a couple of guests that could speak on fideism, the faith of faith. Thank you all, and all the best to you in Christ. Bye.
0: Now. Great subjection, Jeff, and thanks for listening down there in Florida. It is easy to slide into that because faith is a very important concept, and obviously faith is the greatest gift that God gives any person. That is, the ability to trust in the promises of God that are grounded in the person and work of Jesus Christ. But notice the object. The object isn't in one's own faith. The object is Jesus Christ. So the strength, the size, the whatever, however you want to qualify faith is always defined by its object. So Jesus, during his ministry, commends those who trust him for great faith. And he rebukes those who don't trust him, most of the time his own disciples, for having little faith. When he says, oh, you of little faith, the reading from, I believe it was the previous Sunday, according to the three-year lectionary, Peter simply does not believe. He gets out of the boat. He begins to walk. He fears. He sinks. And Jesus says, why don't you believe? He didn't say, why didn't you believe hard enough? Why didn't you believe big enough? Why didn't you trust more? He simply says, you did not trust me. So, fideism is a faith in one's faith, and it's sadly all too common among Christians and really correcting it is simply to point out who do you trust? Not what do you trust, but who do you trust? And then a Christian gets the hat back around the the right way and says, well, obviously I trust Jesus. Well then if you want to tell me about, if you want to demonstrate how great your faith is, tell me about how great Jesus is. That is the definition of great faith. This comes from nude. I apologize. Nude.
1: If I'm, mispronouncing it? I'll be like Pastor Baker in our previous podcast episode. I'll spell it. I think he spelled like two or three names during your teaching on Deborah. It's K-N-U-D. We'll just say nude. Nude says, I'm working in Denmark in a mission organization. I enjoy listening to the forthcoming Sunday talk. I think he's referring to the looking forward to Sunday morning segments with pastors Bender and Denzer. But as the Danish churches use a biannual circle of text readings, I often have to listen to several podcasts before I find the right one, also when I try to share it for others to listen. Would it not be possible to make the text reference be tags for these programs so I could search a bit more qualified? Thanks for listening in Denmark, Nude,
0: K-N-U-D. That is an excellent suggestion. So what we should be tagging in each one of those are the gospel reading, and the Old Testament reading, and the epistle reading. That's what we should be tagging for each one of those individually. That's a great idea. We will start doing that today. 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 I'll add those tags to Pastor
1: Bender, next hour. uh, Absolutely. Let's see. Arthur, great question. Since I'm new to the ways that Lutheran congregations are governed, I have a question regarding my church council. Our council president recently passed, and the congregation is looking to elect a new president in the next voters' meeting. We've always had men in this role because that looks to be the biblical teaching on leadership within the church. However, my congregation is wanting to say some verbiage in our Constitution to allow a woman to be president. The thinking is that since the president isn't the spiritual leader or pastor of the congregation, then it's okay for the president to be a woman. But the woman would be leading all of the voters' meetings as well as all the council meetings. Does this violate scripture in any way? Does this constitute a woman having authority over man in our congregation? Thanks for the excellent question. Thanks for listening, Arthur. To
0: your last question, no. But to the previous question, does this violate scripture in any way? That, I would have to say a qualified yes. But only in this narrow sense. Scripture does not specify these kind of uh, churchly offices, these auxiliary offices, as belonging to either men or to women. As far as we can tell, something approaching congregational president really did not exist, really is a phenomenon, probably more of much later in the church, however it's comprised. So scripture doesn't speak specifically to those offices, like a president of a congregation or a chairman of a congregation's board or something like that. So in that sense, it does not violate scripture in that kind of very gross sense. But in a finer sense it can and i cite here the verse our god is a god of order and not of confusion so anything that would bring confusion regarding the proper relationship between men and women generally the order of creation and in particular the nature of the male only pastorate anything that would bring confusion there has the potential to violate Scripture. That is to bring confusion. We are not permitted to either intentionally or unintentionally bring confusion to the clear teaching of Scripture by things we either say or don't say or do or don't do. So does this have the potential to cause confusion in a Christian congregation? I would say yes. It has actually great potential. Now, can this be done in a way where that confusion is eliminated entirely probably not but eliminated for every practical sense yes but that has to be more than simply changing the words of your congregation's constitution before if i were pastor of that congregation i would say we can certainly consider doing this if after a a period of teaching and i would say at least two years about the nature of the pastoral office about the nature of the church about the order of creation and about the general relationship that God establishes between husbands and wives and males and females. After two years of study, if you guys still want to do this, and you think you understand those distinctions well enough, and no confusion will be caused, then I won't stand in your way. I can tell you what would happen. After two years of studying the order of creation, the nature of the pastoral office, the relationship between men and women, husbands and wives and that teaching that we are not to bring confusion into the congregation, that congregation would not vote to have a female president. Because they would say, why would we want to confuse these tremendous teachings of Scripture, even have the potential of causing confusion about this? So while it is in and of itself not wrong, it is, I would say, very unwise to do, and should only be done in that case, After extensive, now I'm not talking about pastors going to talk about the pastoral office in Bible class for the next four weeks, or he's going to talk about the order of creation sometime. No, this has to be congregational teaching that has to be done at the congregation level. The pastor's going to have to devote time during the church service to do this teaching. This has to be disseminated to everyone because we don't want any confusion. Not just, well, the people who go to Bible class aren't confused. That's 10% of your congregation if you're lucky. Or the people who show up for church aren't confused. That's usually about 40% of your entire membership. This has to be a blanket catechesis. And I think after the congregation grows to appreciate these teachings of Scripture and why we maintain these distinctions, they would say, what were we thinking? Why did we want to do that in the first place? That's what I'd do.
1: I'd suggest for Arthur to listen to podcast number 2181 with Dr. Ken Sherb, Women's Suffrage and Women Holding Church Offices in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Podcast episode 2181.
0: No one can explain it like Ken Sherb. When we come back, some more listener email and the issues, etc. comment line. We're coming to you live on this Tuesday, August the 15th. I'm Todd Wilkin.
1: And close with love the way that you do. I'm going to sit right down and write myself a letter
0: and make believe it came from you. Remember, our Lord promised us this. He promised us that the world would hate us if we were true to him. San Francisco Archbishop Salvatore Cordelione speaking at the 2023 Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference. He gave us the last beatitude, both in Matthew's version and Luke's version, that we're to rejoice when they ridicule us and utter evil against us unjustly. We're to rejoice. The apostles in the Acts, they rejoiced that they were able to suffer dishonor for the sake of the name. So it's up to us to keep the flame of faith and true alive in the darkness. The truth cannot be suppressed. Let us be witnesses of that. You can watch and listen to Archbishop Cordelione's presentation, Making the Case for Speaking the Truth to Power, and all of the teachings from this year's conference for a donation of $300 by Labor Day. It's available via on-demand video streaming or podcast. Learn more at issuesetc.org or by giving us a call, 618-223-8385. Luther had Wartburg. We have Collinsville. You're listening to Issues Etc. When you hear the word heresy, what do you think of? Do you think of some ancient debate the church has gotten over and forgotten? Do you think of some stubby old theologians just arguing over things that don't matter? There's a lot more to heresies than you might think. And that's what the August issue of the Lutheran Witness is all about. Heresies, ancient and modern. To pick up your copy, visit cph.org witness or visit our website, witness.lcms.org to learn more. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. Concordia University Chicago invites all high school students to attend the annual Careers for Christ weekend in person on our beautiful campus in River Forest. Careers for Christ is November 3rd through the 5th. You'll have the opportunity to learn about professional church vocations while having fun with CUC staff, faculty, and students. For more information, visit cuchicago.edu forward slash C, the number 4, C. That is cuchicago.edu forward slash C, the number four, C. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We have 10 more minutes of listener email and the Issues Etc. comment line. Then Pastor Peter Bender will be helping us look forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary, the 11th Sunday after trinity. Here's a comment from the Issues Etc. comment line on the impact of the Supreme Court's Dobbs ruling on abortion attitudes in America.
3: I'm Ken from Belleville, Illinois. I listened to Mike Gallagher's show, and he said yesterday in the show that a majority of Republican women are going to vote Democrat because of abortion. That makes me angry because I'm a pro-life Christian. I'm getting to think that overturning of vote versus Wade was a decision who, via Dobbs, Which is the decision last year was a loss for a pro-life movement because now states like Ohio will make abortion permanent in their state constitution. And there's other states that will follow Ohio's lead. And I fear next year the Republicans will lose the House and the Senate because of abortion. I fear another four years of Democratic control. We can't do that. They're going to destroy our nation. And I just think, too, that there's a potential that if the Republicans lose next year, really bad, that they may uh, become pro-choice in abortion, and that makes me sad and angry. There are people who are saying that we're getting more pro-life. I think the polling is wrong. I think it's apparent people want abortion, and that makes, that's a very sad statement about our country, and it shows that people are far away from the Lord, and... Republicans, because of abortion, may never win a seat again, and that's not a good thing. If the country gets way, way worse, maybe people will wake up and vote Republican. I think we need to educate people by having conversations with people and why abortion is wrong. Thank you. Bye.
0: Well, I don't think if we look at the United States as just one homogenous whole, I think we're approaching it in the wrong way, that's too simplistic of a way. And if you look at it as one big homogenous whole, that we aren't individual states, but we're just one big country, and you look at some of the poll numbers, often these polls are based on questions that are asked. This is why we talked to Dr. Michael New on an almost weekly basis, because he looks at these polls, especially on abortion and says, these are the questions that ask, and this is what you always get when you ask these certain questions. Now, if you drill down and ask better questions, you get better answers. I think he would say the American people's views on abortion are highly nuanced. Does a majority, not all Americans, but does a majority want abortion to be legal in some circumstances? Yes, they do. Do they want it to be legal through all nine months? No, very few people actually want that. Do they want it absolutely banned? No, very few people actually want that. What they want is a more, far more regulated system of abortion Is that discouraging in and of itself? Yes, but it's better than what we had under Roe. Under Roe, we had no restrictions. And every single restriction that was passed by states almost immediately went to the Supreme Court. And it was one of those restrictions going to the Supreme Court that overturned Roe. So in the short term, could it mean that there's a Dobbs reaction in the elections? Yes, but if the... Pro-life movement had thought only in the short term, we never would have overturned Roe. We would have given up a long time ago. This has to be the long game. For the sake of our posterity, our children and our grandchildren, we need to stay in the long game. I'm not saying we you know, only take what we can get. We need to fight as hard as we can. But now this has gone to individual states. Some states are overreacting by essentially making abortion legal under any and every circumstances through all nine months of pregnancy. And others are saying, no, we want to use this opportunity to regulate it even more. Some, even to the point of, for all practical purposes, banning abortion. This is the world we are given to live in. There are people who want to go back before Roe. That's not going to happen. There are people who want to somehow mitigate, and I agree, is that will there be a temptation to go soft on abortion uh, in the Republican Party? Yes, but there always has been. There are pro life Democrats, there are pro choice Republicans. And then there are Republicans that simply vote pro life out of conviction, and those who vote pro life because of their constituency. All those political realities are all in play here. So to think of it as one big whole doesn't give us an accurate pictures. Again, this is why we talked to Dr. Michael New as often as we can with almost every individual poll or, or news story when it comes to the Ohio story. I think we talked with him about that. And he was not hopeful. I was not hopeful. The next day, last Tuesday, a week ago, Ohio voters went out and said, we don't like that. We don't like question one or something like that. We don't want to raise the bar for passing a Constitutional amendment. Does that mean all those people are going to show up and vote for whatever the pro choice party wants to put into the Constitution? No. Everything is a step toward the goal. Sometimes you go forward one step and back two steps. So I wouldn't be terribly discouraged at this point. If anything, our conversations with Dr. New have demonstrated that abortions on attitude pre row or pre-Dobbs and abortion and abortion attitudes post-Dobbs haven't really moved that much. When just asked about their attitude toward abortion, the real question is, are people willing to vote in defense of the unborn? And there are, sadly, a lot of people who, who would raise their hand if you said, are you pro-life, who still don't vote in defense of the unborn. They vote in defense of their pocketbook or whatever other issue they think is more important.
1: Yeah, it's issue one in Ohio mm-hmm. was, was the name of it. And I mean, think about it, 1973 to 2022, 40, what, 49 years, kids in schools across America, Americans have been told that abortion is legal in this country, according to the They're, U.S. Constitution. Been taught, 49
0: yeah. years of they, people taught that. So the, the generation that was born in 1974 now have kids graduating from college, those two generations have been, at least in the public schools, been taught that abortion is a constitutional right. If you can't find it in the constitution, but they were taught it's a constitutional right. You don't undo that overnight. The Supreme Court can't undo that. Only the the and these are why these laws are so important, the gestational limit laws and all these other laws that regulate abortion, not only because they protect the unborn, Texas proves that but also because they teach the law teaches. And if these laws are teaching and relieving this ignorance about what abortion is first, how, how abortion harms and extinguishes the life of the unborn and that, you know, we can actually do something about this. It doesn't have to be all or none. It doesn't have to be row or nothing. We can have a country where we're working toward a pro-life system of laws But in the meantime, we regulate this Holocaust that is abortion. Does that make you happy next week? No. Does that make you happy on your deathbed about how far we've come? Maybe not, but your kids and your grandchildren might actually live to see sensible pro-life laws in the United States, but it's the long game. When we come back, It's time to look forward to Sunday morning. According to the one-year lectionary, Pastor Peter Bender will be with us.
3: Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., PO Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234, Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.
0: The Third Commandment teaches us to remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. We do this when we hold God's Word sacred and gladly hear and learn it. Jesus invites the weak and heavy-laden to rest in Him, our true rest, because His yoke is easy and His burden is light. This weekend, rest in Jesus as you hear His word and receive His gifts. If you are in Southern Illinois, you're invited to join Trinity Lutheran Church in Millstadt to rest in the grace of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Learn more at TrinityMilstott.org I am beautiful because I am fearfully
1: and wonderfully made. I'm accepted because I'm a part of His family through Jesus' shed blood.
0: Unity Lutheran School in East St. Louis, Illinois, shines the light of Christ in one of the most impoverished cities in America. Learn how to support their mission work at unityesl.org. Unityesl.org. Today, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I
2: say yes to God in His ways.